0: Love Talk Radio.
1: It's April 2nd, 2017. Hello and welcome to the first anniversary of the Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight, we're joined by co-hosts Jeff Brown and David Fillion. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please, remember that good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. Having said that, we certainly hope everyone stayed safe and enjoyed this past week. We have a few announcements. The first one's really, really nice for, for us. It seems just like yesterday as this past year has flown by and today is our first anniversary of this radio show. We want to thank all of our loyal listeners and strong supporters. We remain positive and dedicated to the ideology that you, the members, deserve better. And to achieve that for you, our ultimate goal is for the UAW membership to regain control of our union. Though this past year has not been easy, yet we seem to have survived all the naysayers and negative people, the seemingly constant hacking attempts on our website and other communication methods, political plants with direct connections to the highest levels of the current leadership, also we remain compliant with the law and UAW Constitution having had to reject some non-compliance. Again, thank you to all of our loyal listeners and strong supporters. Because of you, our listeners and supporters continue to grow every day. And from that evolves the strength to continue to fight against corporate greed and wayward union leadership in your name. Thank you very much. If you really find value in our show, tell just one more person about it and we'd appreciate it thank you thank you very very much second announcement well it seems we've found out where the michigan legislature intends to spend at least part of the money they're planning on taking away from public schools it seems that a senate subcommittee has passed a very costly bill that will allow tax credits for vehicle trade-ins on new vehicles that's interesting and evolving, so the details are a little sketchy, whether it's tax credit or uh, tax deduction uh, is still a little sketchy. So that's uh, how we report it tonight. Third announcement, the July shutdown notices for the plants are beginning to be posted around the country. It seems that some are being posted from unknown sources. In other words, plant management is not signed at least one that we know about. Where it's not even, you know, maybe not signed, but doesn't even have their, their uh, uh, announcement uh, from whichever department it might be from. Fourth announcement, labor in the United Kingdom has announced a planned strike against proposed cuts in existing pensions. We would learn a healthy lesson from their lead, I might add. Uh, announcement number five, there are a number of Ford items out this week. Uh, more on that later from David. Uh, num- item number six: the Caterpillar vote at Local Union 974 overwhelmingly passed. There'll be more on that later in the show as well. Uh, n- uh, Announcement number seven: the UAW membership rose by 7,000 members from fifth, the end of 15 to the end of 16, from 4,000 or 400,008. Eight thousand, yeah, four hundred eight thousand six hundred thirty-nine to four hundred fifteen thousand nine hundred sixty-three. Team working for a living welcomes all the new members. That's the end of the announcements. Thank you. We, on the email, we received numerous emails uh, of congratulations on our one-year anniversary. We want to thank everybody for sending those in. Herb and. Deborah and Dee Dee, and just to name a few, there's just so many I really shouldn't have even named any names, but uh, those are just a few that that typically write in, but more. Uh, So, and there's a second email I cannot tell you how much our work community appreciates your team pushing for Medicare for all in our country. That's Hazel in Tennessee. Hazel, we we thank you for that. Uh, Dan's doing a real good job of educating everybody on the the, uh, the differences between the, uh, the ACA and the uh, Ryan Healthcare Plan and also contrasting that with what Medicare is and all the advantages of Medicare. And we're going to do a piece, he's going to do a piece on contrasting what other countries are doing and debunk some of the myths out there so that you'll all have full information When you go to your congressperson and tell them, we'd like Medicare for everybody, it appears that Representative Conyers has been putting this bill forward since 2003. This isn't new from us, but we're certainly behind it. Uh, And we got behind it once this uh, appeared that that the Ryan bill was going to fail. Let's stop fooling around. Just do it right. Okay. Uh, That's the extent of the email this week. A lot of it, but condensed. Thank you very much, everybody, for sending those in. We really appreciate your congratulations. Uh, uh, Next up is our quote of the week, and this year's favorite quote from the past year, uh, favorite of mine at least. (laughs) There you go. You can't win the Kentucky Derby with a plow horse. (laughs) That's from an old friend of mine who played. uh, He was a, a Big Ten champion football player at Michigan State University. And when he's describing some of the players, uh, he'll oftentimes say that, but it, it really does hold true for a lot of offices as well. You can't win the Kentucky Derby with a plow horse. Uh, let's bring on our co-host. I think we have Jeff in the wings. Uh, hello, Jeff. How are you doing this evening? I'm good, man. Roy, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thanks very much. Um and uh, I think David's there now. David, you there? Yeah. How are you doing, Leroy? Jeff. Good. Well, welcome to the mm-hmm. show. You know. Jeff. Hello. You there? Yeah. I just. I, yeah. So, David, how how's your week been?
0: Um,
2: pretty good. Um. Hasn't been the best of weather. We had a few good days that we had, you know, pretty good sun, and um, things are kind of soggy around here, so haven't been doing too much outside. But um, looking better every day. I'm looking forward to warm weather and grilling some good food. And uh, I'd like to thank you for all the hard work.
1: Oh, yeah over the last year. It's not just me doing this. As you know, we have an on-air team and an off-air team. So, uh, But it's a lot of work for everybody. You know, the three of us put a report together pretty much every week, and that takes some time. All three of us. It takes time out of our day. None of us are paid for any of this. And, uh, we, you know, we uh, do this for the pleasure of the membership, to educate you and build a track record on who and what, we are publicly, even though some of the off-air people, we keep them secluded because we've had some attacks on our members and some of the leadership that have come on over the past year. So we do keep them a little secluded for their protection, uh, and they'll they'll manifest in in uh, the proper time. So as you know. So Jeff, how's your week?
0: Um, painful. This rainy weather is really. Packed it up on my arthritis, and, um,
3: yeah.
0: I've been very busy campaigning for um, local office and plus campaigning for working for a living. So we've ordered right. a lot of shirts. My number in Flat Rock, they are very happy with them. And I'm getting more orders every day.
1: Okay, that's good. Soon those shirts will be available for everybody we're just kind of getting them out a little at a time now but uh, we'll put them on the website and uh, take orders there and you can pay by credit card uh, and uh, you know that plus the shipping Uh, and we're getting a little better price on them as we get more volume but soon we'll have them available for everybody and uh, uh, we're trying to make orders of 15 at a time at this this point point. And we we had a nice order last time. Uh, So, you know, Jeff, uh, make sure you turn those shirts inside out for everybody that's listening to, to wash them. The first run that they made for a few of us, they uh, decided that they were going to double print them after that because it just made them so much more brilliant. And even though it, it probably faded a little, some of the first shirts that we got uh, we're, were a single run, a single print, just so you know, uh, and that's why they look a little uh, dimmer and not as bright as the uh, the second and third runs that we've had. So, just uh, just be aware of that as well. So on the shirts. Uh, <coughs> pardon me, I've got a bit of a cold, not bad, just a little cough going on. But uh, I see um, brother Art Peterson in the wings. Uh, no, Art. Uh, expressed an interest to come on the show this this evening and uh, just uh say a few words.
3: How are you doing this evening?
4: I'm doing well, Leroy, how are you tonight? Good, good.
1: It's nice to have you on the show again. Art we really appreciate
4: you coming on tonight. Well I, I appreciate you giving me a chance Leroy, I just wanted to thank you and Jeff and David, all three of you for not just the work you put on during the time you put into the show, but there, there's just so much time I know that goes into preparing for it, and and the, you know the education that that you and Jeff and David, all three of you, help out with. Uh, you know the a, a big problem I think we have with the with the the uh, international and local. There's just not enough education going on, and and I, again I just really appreciate it. Congratulate you on your one year anniversary and and uh, thanks a bunch guys. Thanks, You're thank Malcolm, you. Art. Yeah, yeah.
1: Jeff, you want to say anything to Art?
0: Yeah, thanks, Art. Um, you know, you've been very helpful for
3: us, and
0: of course, we've been helping out to you as much as we can. Um, a lot of people still don't know your situation, but uh, we're still the them on, on it. And um, we want to thank you for bringing it out in the open. You did a fine job on that. You exposed some uh, distrust into our voting rights, your local. And um, i, don't I that doesn't happen again. I want to thank you again,
4: Martin. And you know, I along that line, Jeff, I, I I was watching the the results of the caterpillar vote, and, and it seemed like uh, there was a whole lot of a whole lot of question as to what was going on with that. They they delayed the release of the 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 the, the, the results. I still haven't seen where they anything was posted showing the numbers, so you know again I, I just the while while the public review board didn't see things my way on on my appeal, I think going forward we certainly need to make sure something gets changed in the at the constitutional convention, so that the the language gets fixed and, and the, that kind of thing doesn't get repeated ever again.
1: Right.
3: Uh, our our, you
1: know, we want to thank you for recognizing that, you know, a lot of work on the show, but a lot of stuff behind the scenes, too. As you know, all three of us, you know, reviewed uh, your own material that you were working on, that, that uh, appeal that went clear to the Public Review Board. And, you know, we put a lot of time into that one, and there were no other appeals ongoing in the past year that we worked on
3: uh, as
1: well and helped out with. uh. So there is a lot of time. In regard to yours, that issue just came up in another local union again, not quite as bad as yours. The issue of uh, the ratification not being under the auspices of the uh, local election committee, the election committee, has come up yet again. And, uh, you know, team working for a living is uh, in, in total. We've discussed this over time. Uh, is committed to correcting the two things that came out of your bill. One, the, uh, the problems that the uh, ratification process is not sufficient, and that, that previous public review boards have uh, admonished the IEB no less than four times to correct that. And the other issue that came out of the PO was that certain local unions' uh, membership. Uh, committee or meeting where the members don't need voice and vote for uh, uh, delegates to the, to the membership meeting, and that's simply got to change. Uh, that's just simply got to change. So uh, we uh, uh, dedicated those two things, corrected, with, and, and many others, but those two specific with regard to your own appeal that seemed to be
4: Well, I certainly look forward to seeing it change and I, again I, I thank all three of you for for the for the uh, job well done and, and looking forward to to seeing the 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 educational um, radio shows that you have and certainly help with with teaching everybody what needs to be done the the incumbents need to go.
1: Right, that's absolutely right. I think everybody is uh, is in the agreement along those lines. So thanks, Art. Uh, we really appreciate that very, very much. Uh, your know, your uh, uh, you know, Congratulations are well received by our on-air and up- off so, Thanks a lot. I'll put you back in the, the uh, listen mode now. Uh, unless anybody else, uh, Jeff or Art? David, do you have anything for Art?
2: Um, thanks for coming on, Art, and uh, thanks for all you do for the union.
1: Okay, thanks, Art. It's, by the way, it's been a pleasure getting to know you this, this year. I really,
3: really appreciate
1: you. Brother. You've done a lot of hard work yourself.
3: So...
1: Have a good
4: night. Very welcome, very welcome, Leroy. Again, thanks, thanks much. We'll, we'll look forward to hearing the rest of the show. Thank
3: you.
1: Okay, so uh, we have a number of people in the switchboard. Uh, We'll ask them to raise their hand if they want to come on. Uh, We know our leadership team is there listening. We appreciate that a lot, Uh, pretty much all of them. Uh, So we know that we're not going to look for your hands because most of you are off-air leadership. So, um, so Jeff, do you want to start with your report?
0: Yeah, first I want to start off with, um, over the last two months, I've had three members from Flat Rock Assembly who have lost a child. Um, it's a parents' worst nightmare to have the a child die before them. I know this for a fact because I've had a cousin who died a few years ago, who was younger than me. Um names are Dante Hollywood Collins, who lost a son. Um, we have um, Alfreda Bronson, who just lost her daughter this week. And we have uh, another one, Tony Bacchiara, who lost a son a few weeks back. And our heart goes out to them for so what they're going through right now. I can't imagine what they're doing. Um, They're handling it. Uh, But still, it's a very sad thing to have a child to um, pass away before a parent. So having said that, uh, we want to take a moment of silence, please, for these families. Thank you. Um, at Local 3000, we are continuing to have daily mismanagement of our local leadership. Every day they're doing something very stupid and really not helping their cause for re-election. Um, we are supposed to have a special nomination, uh, recommendation hearing yesterday from our election committee on times and dates for nominations and elections. And Friday morning, our president canceled that meeting. Um, if we found out through other sources that he was planning a strategy party or a fundraising party yesterday afternoon, instead of having the right thing of holding that membership meeting for all the elections. Um, He is Stated he was worried About any more Appeals coming Toward him Was one of his excuses for canceling Yesterday's meeting Um, He's Really Messed up And I think Word of mouth The president about 1st VP, 2nd VP and the arms Arms they know they're going down and make comments to people they know they're, they are going to lose their re-election and rightfully so they don't seem to be following the Constitution or our
3: violence
0: which I keep reminding them of this week I will be submitting not one but two charges against one, our president. Two, our sergeant-at-arms who created the fight last month. Um, you bring up Article 31 charges uh, of unbecoming uh, a union member. And we are joint uh, charges. Myself and another co-worker have um, signed them we will be delivering them to the local recording secretary um, later this week I will be hand delivering them to her because I don't trust anybody inside that hall in some court to throw it away because Sergeant Arms told our local recording secretary last week to burn the charges that I had filed during the last local meeting um and she said no. And I thank her for that. And this guy has got to go. It's bad news. Bad news. He, he acts more like an intimidator. And I've had a, a coworker on the dock. who told me that he's heard that our local president runs our local like a mafia mob. Good statement. And that's basically how it's being run. We are gathering support. um people are contacting me every day, telling be behind me, and they are very tired of what's going on at the local level and um, We will be putting out suppliers. I don't think we need to put a lot of money into our campaign because they are doing such a lousy job. People want change and um, it's coming, folks. It was time. And once we get in power, we are going to get the education committee started right away on having some educational classes for our younger workforce to learn as much as they can about becoming a union leader. We have a saying, good leaders don't create followers. Good leaders create more good leaders. And that's what I firmly believe in. That's my goal teach these young people how to do the right thing when the wrong thing comes up in their face. So, um, our next, next Saturday is our scheduled, rescheduled, um, meeting, election recommendations from our election committee, which we already approved. And, uh, and then we'll just sit back and, and. Uh, it's a little tomorrow uh, We're going to win this And I want to thank everybody For contacting me Who listening from Flat Rock And uh, we, we will come out victory As we Brother Leroy and I will Come up the victory Next year at the convention Because everybody is against The international Everybody I've talked to People are calling me or family friends at different sport facilities. Everybody saying the exact same thing. They got to go. They don't work for us. And they got to remember we don't work for them. That's, that's the main goal. We do not work for leadership. Leadership works for the membership. And the membership dictates what the leadership does. I hope everybody remembers that, that election time think about the next three years a lot of us are still going to be retiring your folks need to learn and step up and take charge they are going to need all the help they can get that's my report um, we will get this done in a very short time um we have our ammunition, which is very big. Because, like I said, they are shooting themselves in the foot every day. So, thank you, Leroy, for your time. To
1: okay, uh, thank you, Jeff, for that very, very informative report. Uh, you know, the totalitarian mindset always falls upon itself. They always go too far. You know, I I'm reminded <clears throat> an old attorney friend of mine told me one time, and he formulated this on his own. He's a pretty sh- sharp guy. Uh, he said, the five failures of an attorney, and you can you can put this into leadership as well, is one, not knowing the law, two, not knowing how the law applies to you, three, not knowing the facts surrounding your case, four, poor presentation, and my personal favorite and this goes to the totalitarian mindset, overplay in your hand. If you are in leadership and do things that go against the grain of the laws and the rules of your organization, it will come to haunt you. It may take a very long time, but it will come to haunt you, and you will be removed, not, you know, surgically one at a time, but in total, and that's what's going to happen in the first week of June, 2018, when we expect the next constitutional convention to be scheduled. Regarding Jeff's local 3000, I want to remind everybody that Jeff intends. To their, uh, the, first of all, their uh, meeting for nominations was supposed to be rescheduled for uh, October. Or, I'm sorry, April 1st. Yesterday. Uh, it's been canceled, as Jeff just indicated, and rescheduled for next Saturday, the 9th, I believe. Is that right, Jeff? That's yes, correct. Is it Saturday or Sunday? Saturday. Saturday, so the 8th? Yes. Next
0: Saturday, Saturday. the
1: 8th? Is that it? Let me mm-hmm. get the calendar and make sure we're telling everybody right. Come on, calendar. Yeah. Saturday, the 8th. Okay. So it's going to be Saturday, the 8th. For nominations, it is local union. Uh, Because of some procedural things that may be going on there, you folks at local 3,000 that are listening need to attend that meeting. Jeff and Angie need your support there. Jeff is committed to being nominated and accepting nomination for vice president of his local union. His running partner is Angie. She's current recording secretary, and she intends to be running for president. You know, We have come out in our uh, own uh, caucus call and supported Jeff and and his whole team. Uh, So we're doing that here now. We support anybody that Jeff has on his team. We support him. And and, uh, next week, Jeff's going to firm up whether they're going to have a slate or just a loose slate, uh, and he'll let us know and let you know so that you can then plan on going and voting but if you're listening to this tell your friends at local 3000 what time of day it is there and the the meeting on the 8th saturday the 8th is very important to attend because there may be some procedural things that need to be addressed uh and we don't know exactly but we suspect some things are going to be tried to ramp be rammed through uh and that would not be uh, good for the membership. So uh, having said that, that was a great report, Jeff. Uh, David, do you have anything for Jeff, questions?
2: Um, no questions. Just um, I want to say that uh, <clears throat> it's very sad that um, a member was attacked by the recording secretary and that children actually saw that. Um through the future of our union and when they see things like that Sergeant um, of Arms, Sergeant Sergeant of Arms, correct. Um when they see things like that, um, that doesn't speak very good for our for our union. Um just for our leadership, um, Jeff's local and other locals. Um, as you know I've been threatened with violence as well myself. Um local 600 um, during 2015 during the ratification votes um, international staff participated in violence at local 600 when international staff also participates in violence sends the wrong message to leadership and all of our locals that they could possibly get away with violence as well so it's very sad that what happened at Jeff's local, and Jeff's doing the right thing, and hopefully this sends a message across the country to all the other locals, presidents, recording secretaries, sergeant at arms, that violence in our in our union has to end, and there's no place for that in a members' union. And that's all I have to say.
1: Correct, uh, David. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to speak to that just again briefly since you brought up the Sergeant-at-Arms. Uh, the Constitution uh, requires the Sergeant-at-Arms to, at the direction of the President, maintain order. That means that the sergeant of arms has to be available for the President's Direction. If the Sergeant of Arms himself or herself is involved in instigating the involved in instigating the uh, uh, the the violence in the plant, then that violates their oath of office, the duties required by the Constitution, because they're required to be available for the direction of the President to maintain order. When they're not, they're in violation of their oath and of the duties of their office. Further, the president, according to Robert's Rules of Order, may direct an ad hoc committee from the assembly to remove the person that is, to help remove the person who is creating a disturbance. Robert's rules also provide that the president of the assembly may call in the authorities to have that person removed, if so necessary. Regarding the assembly itself, Robert's rules of order require the sergeant of arms to assure the comfort of the assembly. When the sergeant of arms creates the disturbance in the assembly, he's He or she has violated the Robert's Rules of Order charge assigned to the Sergeant of Arms. Another point regarding the uh, the assembly themselves during a disturbance of any kind, physical or, or verbal, a member may call to order the member causing the disturbance. The, the uh, It's a uh, preferred motion ca- calling the member f- to order. I call uh, Amos Sandy to order. I don't even know if there's Amos Sandy around. I used two kind of un- incongruent names there. I call Amos Sandy to order. The president has to then assure that the call to order has been met before any further business be conducted. If the president doesn't and stop the disturbance or remove the disturbing party, the president is then in violation also. So as you can see, when the sergeant of arms gets out of hand at at an assembly of any kind, They're in violation of the Robert's Rules of Order. And in this case, in our union, they're in violation of their duties of office that they swore by oath to uphold and violated their oath in doing so. So lots of violations there. Those are the things that you can do as a member. Call the member to order. Simply make the statement, I call so-and-so to order. And you you yell it out. And It's supposed to stop everything, and the, the, everything stops until the president retains, maintains order. But that's your your best move, as just this person in the audience. That was done by another brother, at Jeff's local. Maybe not as sophisticated the, in that way, but he did say the other the third brother had the, had the floor. So essentially, he. Uh, created the the uh, motion, called to order, by saying the other brother had the floor. So, uh, having said that, that's that's uh, some of the intricacies of the rules regarding a disturbance in a local union or any assembly that you may be in attendance at formal assembly. Having said that, uh, let's move on. David, uh, you have a report on the Ford remuneration that's quite interesting. Uh, so we'll hand that ball off to you.
2: Okay, Larry. Um The uh, Ford Motor Company this week um, filed with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Um, Mark Fields earned income for 2016. Um, his earnings were $22.1 million, and that's about $3.5 million more In the prior year in 15, um, in addition to um, his uh, um, earnings, his pension also increased in value to $2.85 million. Um, It's a lot of money. Uh, Makes one wonder how much um, is being put into pension plans for. Um, other executive officers at Ford Motor Company, as well as General Motors and Chrysler, and we don't have information on that yet, or I would be reporting it. Um, And uh, we also have an issue this week. Ford Motor Company is recalling 441,000 vehicles in North America recalls are separate recalls. Um, They include the vehicle's escape, uh, sport utility, and the fusion sedan. Um, The repairs um, are to prevent engine fires um, that have been ongoing. Um, I understand it. Um, A crack in the engine block can occur, and I'm assuming that on the compression stroke, um, that starts the fire. Um, then uh, there's also issues with doors that sling open while the vehicles are in motion. Altogether, um, these 441,000 vehicles being recalled will also generate an expense to Ford Motor Company for $295 million. Um, this happened on uh, Mark Field's watch. It makes one tend to wonder: um, Should he be paid that much money when we're spend- they're spending that kind of money—two hundred ninety-five million—to repair these vehicles? So, um, also, when you look at the amount of money going into um, this pension. Is that the reason why funding for pension plans are below funded in other companies? GM as well. We're at 91% funded. And the CEOs a lot of money and in income, and they have extremely high pension plans. So it makes them no wonder. Um, if our retirees aren't disadvantaged by the amount of money they're collecting into their pension plants. So that's what I have to report on that this weekly, right? Um, when we have uh, earnings reports um, for the companies, we'll put those out again like we did uh, last quarter.
1: Okay, I'm going to Ask Jeff if he has anything. Uh, Jeff's aware of, of my note to him. So, Jeff, do you have anything for David?
0: No, it's it's um kind of a slap in the membership space. Um, we can't afford to give N2 tier or give back our retirees what they've taken away from. Where our CEO is making that type of money. And it's just not right. Ford's not the only company doing it, it's a lot of other CEOs in different industries here in the States. So people need to organize and try to fight this stuff. So we are losing the battle. That's
1: right. I got okay, thanks, Jeff. Uh, I got a couple things on on the uh, issue of pensions for these executives. Um, the the pension f- plans that the, the 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 two bigger uh, Detroit three Ford and GM are bouncing around 60 million dollars right now. Uh, I think 59 last I looked, or 58 and some change. Right there, near 60. And it's uh, down uh, by 9% from the last reporting time as far as funding level, although the, f- the funding is just about, you know, within about a half a billion. When you consider $60 billion, and this one individual is an executive of Ford Motor Company, the CEO, of course, has a pension fund now funded at 800 and $58 million, that's just a little south of $1 billion. Remembering that the Ford family members have about a billion apiece, the six of them that I knew of last, about a billion apiece. So this CEO is bouncing just under their numbers. And he's just one executive. He rose through the ranks, one executive. Now, his might be 858, but there might be a, several of them, we don't know, that are reported in the 600s. It's come to my attention, at least in General Motors, that when we retire, we certainly get our benefit package in pension plan, and... The corporation takes out a life insurance policy on every retiree in addition to the benefit paid, life benefit paid by our union contract. They take it out, and when we pass away, they get just about our basic, which is uh, one uh, about 19000 for people Over 65, one year's wages, or half of one year's wages, I guess it is. It's down to mine is down around 19,000. You get into that level, and uh, they get about that amount, amount when retiree passes away. That money goes into an executive retirement pool. Yeah, we know General Motors. How about that? And that's the reason that these pensions get so high because they have a double life insurance, the one that they supply for our contract and the one they supply for the benefit of the executive branch. Can you imagine every retiree's death benefit going to the very top executive level people almost a billion dollars apiece. Now, why can't that money be not quite so much and be redirected into the pension plan that they're talking about cutting in half here very soon as the funding levels go down? Wouldn't you like to see that money not go to some exorbitant retirement fund but rather be redirected to proper purposes of maybe bringing the tier twos all up to tier one status, making sure you don't cut the pension plan. 90 days to ascend to seniority instead of this indeterminate temporary stuff. Wouldn't you like to see that? Because that money's available. There's nobody that needs a billion dollars to retire. Nobody. This man at Ford is nearing, he's closing in on 900,000 right now, 5 or 858. That's a lot of money, brothers and sisters. And that money shouldn't be going to a single person. It's just immoral. So, haven't said that. Uh, well, that's all I have for David's report. David, do you have any more to add to that?
2: No, no really. Um, okay. Other than uh, I want to see um, a new pension plan started for our two-tier workers, and uh, so that they they too will have a good living um in their old age and I also want to see them have health care. Um, if we uh, are able to achieve single payer health care Medicare for all um that would be a wonderful thing. But um they need pensions and I know I've heard a lot say that um they don't want a pension. They they want portability um a lot of members say,ing They don't ever intend to stay with General Motors, Ford or Chrysler for the rest of their lives. Um, it's not going to be a career for them, forever. But you have to remember high fees. Um, what happens in every market crash? That money's not guaranteed. Um, they can go. They can be gone in one day. So all the money that they're putting into it could be just money blown into the wind. We have people from 2009 that are in grocery stores running cash registers that thought they were going to retire in short order. Now they're the working poor, and they were based in 401K plants. General Motors knows this. Ford Motor Company knows it. FCA knows it. And so does Dennis Williams and the executive board. They don't have a problem case. Neither should our members. Okay. That's
1: all Okay. Thank you, David. Uh as it happens we have another uh former uh caller on into the show uh in the queue and uh, I'm gonna bring on our friend from South Bend uh indiana and uh, uh welcome to the show todd trader welcome to our show this evening
5: well uh, thank you uh congratulations on having been going for a year or two
1: thank you how's things how's things at your plant? uh hectic <laughs>
5: uh <laughs> yeah we, you know as you know um i think so the last time i've been uh we ratified our contract uh, we have people going in in waves now. I think we've got 244 of our members back. With uh, April 10th, the next wave of people coming in, they had a choice. Uh, we didn't know if people were working, so we gave them an option of coming back at three different dates. But yeah, they're definitely pushing pushing language that we have that we ratified under. Uh, so yeah, it's it's quite hectic.
1: Okay. Yeah. So. You know, we wish you the very best, there. You know, we tried our best to support you while your members were out, and I tell you, your membership really deserves a lot of kudos because you didn't have anybody folding on you, and and uh, you know, caving in and crossing the line. You just well, you couldn't cross the line because it was a lockout. Uh, so, but they still stood pretty pretty strong with you, uh, you know, and that they have. Uh, that was tough. Uh, what we say, seven hundred or yeah, uh, what? How many days was it? Two hundred and ninety some uh, days, something like. That. A yeah,
5: lot. yeah, yeah, Closing in on ten months. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so. closing in on ten months. So that's yeah, real, real close to three hundred days. So um, yep. yeah, I worked that out one, one point, point, reported it to you. But you, uh, um, uh, you did a good job, and you came in in the middle of that as the. Uh, you got newly elected as vice president and then uh, were acting president for a while until you dealt with that. And now you're full president for that local nine, and you're doing yes. a great job down there. You've demonstrated a lot of good leadership. And we, we certainly thank oh. you for coming on the show during your uh, challenging time and for tonight for coming on to give us kudos. You know, I don't know if you want to say anything to Jeff and David or our off-air team or not, but that's up to you.
5: Yeah, yeah, I definitely, uh, you know, uh, through all of this, and there's a lot of stuff I wish I'd have known from the get-go, but, but getting the word out and getting the backing is instrumental in, you know, whether it's a strike or a lockout. And, and that's one thing that, you know, from September when I got elected till till I finally got a hold of you guys, or you got a hold of me, and I got on the radio on the block spot, and, you know, that was really instrumental, I think, in, in helping us, helping us, I mean, it, you, you have to get the word out. And if you don't get the word out, you're just, you're just going to be stuck. And, and what you guys are doing, you know, every Sunday night, getting the word out. And if, you know, people need to take note of what you guys are saying. And, and it definitely helped us. I, like I said, I wish it had been something we would have back in May when we got locked out, we would have had, but you know, moving forward, it's this this definitely something that any local needs to take advantage of is, is the communication that you guys do and, and getting the word out. That's, that's definitely, like I said, it's instrumental in, in in fighting these big
1: companies. Right. Well, thank you, uh, Todd. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on and and all your kind words. And we, you know, as you know, we aspire to do the right thing by all the members. You know, we uh, we really yes. do have each and every member's well being in in mind. You know, we try to make sure that it's a genuine grievance and not a gripe. We try to stand up for for everybody that's being disadvantaged, and we did that in, in your case, and we're, we're happy to hear that it was reasonably successful in helping you uh, maintain uh, the, your stance with the uh, the corporation and and being able to sustain uh, with some donations from around the country uh, that we uh, were instrumental, but uh, not not just us. There were other people, you know, involved in all of that as well, but. Uh, I don't
2: know. You got anything for uh, Todd? David, do you want to say anything to Todd? Yeah. Um I'm glad to hear that things are going back to normal at your plant, um, as normal as they can be right now. Um right. I was very I was very happy to um work for you, um, to
5: help your local um I appreciate it.
2: Getting getting um out the word out to the machinist union, the AIM. Um they really put some support behind you guys. And uh hopefully that you know, was some help. Um, that's what we do. Um, we we like to help our members. And uh I'm very I'm very glad that uh, things worked out down there for you guys and you've done just a wonderful job at your local but
3: and uh, yeah.
5: And the battle's not over yet, <laughs> you know. Right. It's um, uh, but it's still still ongoing. I mean, we're in the plant, but like I said, it's it's hectic. You know, they still got the temporary workers in there right now because we don't have enough of our members back. So, you know, I'm working that, trying to get them out of there as quickly as possible. So it's, like I said, it's it's a battle every day just to get get things straightened out in there.
1: Right. Yeah, and then, you know, I mean, you're working next to somebody that took your job away. It makes it a little tough. You know, you have to have empathy for a, for the members that are going back in to, you know, regain their job, you know, and have to work next to somebody that's, uh, you know, been taking their job. You know, it's really kind of tough yeah. to do that. Ye- yeah, I guess yes, it I mean, is. Yeah, it is. We have, uh, Jeff, do you have anything to say to Todd? Oh, no, he did
0: a good job on um, what it was, you know, not knowing what to do, is that you're brand new. Um, I'm saying that a lot of our other brothers and sisters around the country did not know of
3: this. I ran into
0: people in my plant who did not know of what was going on in the world. And when I told them, they were very upset that they didn't know. know, Yeah, and that's one
5: thing. Yes, (laughs) yes. And, and that's one thing with talking with some of my members and, and um, some of my committeemen in that, uh, that's one thing that, that really disappointed me um, in the international is, uh, you know, from day one on May 9th of 2016, when we got locked out, there should have been a letter drafted and it should have went out to every single UAW local saying, Hey, this is what's going on here. We need, we need some backing on this. And, you know, until I got a hold of the auto workers caravan and, and got, got with you guys, you know, there was a lot of people across this country that had no idea what was going on. So it, it, it's like I said, communication is it's imperative, and and it seems our international is lacking that that ability to do that. Right. Get that communication out.
1: That's that's absolutely correct, Todd. I mean, there's only a few distressed locals in the nation at any given time, and there, it's inexcusable that the entire membership is in praise to that so you know it might not be much but if they can throw ten dollars in an envelope and send to your to your lockout fund or your strike fund you know it it you know we we have as was reported earlier you know some four hundred and fifteen thousand members you know if ten percent of those people put a ten dollar bill ten percent of us but you know, forty yep. forty-one thousand. Put a ten-dollar bill in the in an envelope and send it over. That didn't hurt anybody, but it gave you guys four hundred thousand dollars. Now, didn't it? That's a lot. Right. It's, it helps gain people from losing their houses, losing their cars, losing their relationships. How many? Do you know? Do you have any idea how many people got divorced over this or lost their relationship? Oh <laughs>
3: uh,
5: No, I don't know. But I know. I I know personally. Me.
3: Uh, yep. It was
5: it was one stressful year. I- I'll tell you that. Yep. I mean, there yep. there was times that, you know, the wife and I didn't know, you know, what was our next step. So, yeah, it, it's, you know, like I said, being out of work and, and you're locked out, you know, from a job that you have, you know, pretty much almost dedicated your life to because that's what you do. You know, our plant's seven day operation, so, right. and then all of a sudden you're out the door on, you know, not that you're not making enough money, just because. They want to basically break the union, you know. Honeywell's uh, what were they making twenty fifteen four point eight billion dollars? So they're not hurting by no means, but they just got a way that they want to run the business, and it's it doesn't involve the union, unfortunately.
1: So, but
5: right. yeah, I mean, it, it put it put hurting on people, so.
1: Right. And, well, there's
5: for
3: you the know international
1: it could have been like you say it could have been easier with different leadership at the top. We aspire to provide that for you. In the last round. <laughs> yeah, so, yes. Yeah, I was listening. Uh,
5: yeah,
1: yeah and, and so, it, I, you well.
5: Know, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, you know oh. the communication. The communication, like I said, it just uh, it just really disappoints me that, that it wasn't there from the get go with the international. I mean, like you said, ten percent of the people. That's a lot of money that can help help a, a, any local make it through something like this.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And we—that's you know—our strength is in numbers, and that's what we're supposed to be doing. And that's why right. we're having difficulty organizing the plants in the south because they're not seeing the leadership act like they're supposed to.
5: Yes. Yes.
1: That's, I'm serious. That's why that you know everybody knows it. I mean, they, you know, Dennis Williams in his report when he went to Ken, the things that he said were going on right here in the Detroit 3.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, it, woe, is, woe, woe is the Mercedes plant, they, or the, there was Nissan plant down there. There's two of them, the, the Nissan plant. Woe, woe is the Nissan workers. Well, yeah, woe is them. But everything you said's going on right in the Detroit 3, <laughs> everything.
3: Yeah, <you> know. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: So uh having said that, let me uh let we should get on with the show. Thanks for coming on and we really appreciate you uh your congratulations on our anniversary show here tonight. Thank you very much, Todd.
5: All right. Thanks for having me again. Appreciate it.
1: You bet. Bye bye. All right, bye. Okay. Well we're getting a little bit long, uh, but I see we have a caller here uh that wants to call in and tell us about some this is our insurance expert, wants to talk to us about uh some of the uh finer points on the um national health care whether we're trying to push Medicare for all. And uh let's bring on uh Dan. Dan are you there?
6: Yes, I'm here. Dan are you there? How are you tonight? Hi, yes. welcome to is the show okay? Dan.
1: Yeah, we can hear all right, you. Thank you. Yeah, okay, you you have all, a I'd report for like to... us on the uh, on the issue of the uh, uh, comparison between the the health cares and and some of the advantages. You'll get into those in later segments of the uh, uh, Medicare for all. So, why don't you just kick off your report there, Dan?
6: Okay, first of all, I'd like to say because uh, it's taken me uh, quite a few weeks of research into this. So you know, I'm trying to give you the basic understanding without having to be uh, an insurance specialist of any kind. But uh, I'll try to go over some of the fundamental things. But I wanted everybody out there to know that uh, we discussed it, and we're going to put the full detail report uh, on Working for a Living webpage so that you can read everything in its entirety uh, instead of just hearing what we we're talking about over the. Uh, broadcast. So I'll begin. Uh, I'd like to recap uh, some of the problems going on with uh, Obamacare right now. Okay, Rubio Marco quietly inserted an amendment funding provision into an omnibus spending package. The omnibus is a grouping of numerous bills to be voted upon as a package in a single voting action contained within a budget package. The Rubio provision barred the Health and Human Services Department from subsidizing insurance pursuant to contracts agreed to with the insurers and the government to assist in funding the health care coverage and the health care insurance exchanges, causing over half of the exchange's insurers to leave the exchanges. So we continue to hear the uh, lies out there about it being unsustainable and uh, just a terrible deal well that's not true the reason again ha- over half of them left is because of the rubio bill again i would like to address mi- misleading statements made by gop concerning the reason why at the and, and i'll say would drop out of the exchanges they made a big deal out of this they continue to do so Anna and U- umana didn't drop out of the exchanges due to the aca being an unsustainable disaster these two companies again are leading into retaliation because the government refused their application to form a $37 billion merger deal due to an antitrust monopoly regulation. The GOP scheduled voting upon three increasingly harsh health care proposals before they pulled their final proposal, an hour before they were to vote, and then announced that we're done with health care, planned to uh, move on to reforming tax legislation. Well, we all know that's not true. They're going to be back. They've stated on television that they will be back with the same, same uh, proposal. TrumpCare was actually a tax bill to give the wealthy medical insurance industries it originally planned 600 billion in tax breaks to allow the insurers and vendors higher profits with reduced coverage, higher profits shifting their costs onto customers and taxpayers. How does TrumpCare versus Obamacare differ? Some care would have eliminated the mandate funding requiring the uninsured to pay a penalty, for preferring not to purchase health care. The problem with this is free riders add to all of our costs because they cannot be denied hospital services. Those services are passed on to insured patients that do have coverage in the form of higher premiums. Obamacare implemented the mandate to assist in funding the exchanges, requiring everyone to have insurance or pay into the program to lessen increased costs by free riders. Now, this isn't anything new. You know, this goes on in every uh, national universal health care program. It's a requirement to purchase insurance. Trumpcare called for transparency but offered no details. Now, as far as the sustainability of Obamacare, uh, the CBO has already announced that all these statements by the GOP is untrue, that it is sustainable. It has funding problems. We know some of the funding problems are. Trumpcare called for transparency but offered no details on pricing. Compared to Obamacare, customers could view coverage pricing based on their chosen plan. The Trumpcare plan had originally retained the pre-existing conditions protection but changed over the next two proposals, becoming increasingly more expensive allowing companies to charge five times the premium rates above the premiums charged for a 21-year-old, and ended with people with preconditions being allowed to be charged higher premiums and pay a 30% increase in premiums, should they have lost their employer, individual, or co- COBRA coverage, or if they had a break in coverage of over 30 days. This was requested by the insurance companies to induce customers to maintain their premium payments. care would have provided subsidies of $2,000 toward coverage of their choice for people under age 30. Then subsidies would rise $500 per decade until it topped off at age 64 for a maximum of $4,000 subsidy and a family cap at $14,000. These were less than half of what uh, is currently provided under the uh, Obamacare subsidies. Trumpcare would have given lump sums to each state to allow them to use funding in the form of a state block grant and reimbursing states at 50%, and the state would pick up the other 50%. Under Obamacare, it provided the dollar-for-dollar subsidy for every dollar the state spent, provide coverage with funding at 100%, later to be reduced to providing 90%, and the state would cover the other 10%. This would accomplish two agendas. Half funding leaves the states with the authority to ration coverage and funding for less people to be covered and far less coverage and compensation over comparison to the current numbers insured. Trump care discussed providing subsidies at four times the federal poverty level. Eighty five percent of people purchasing coverage falls into this category, allowing them to purchase health care coverage. Under Trump care, people receiving subsidies may be able to deduct their premium and, and medical costs with tax credit, tax credits from their tax returns at the end of each year. This didn't help in assisting them to pay for insurance until they filed their end-of-year tax. Obamacare allowed citizens to deduct their medical expenses when it was over their 10% adjusted household medical expenses and wages. Trump had talked of allowing Americans to purchase drugs from overseas drug companies, which he believed would bring down lower costs but Obama had discussed and considered this as well, but neither plan initiated the plan to actually incorporate any of those provisions. Trumpcare proposed higher health care savings accounts, which if not used will be considered as income at the end-of-year tax filings. So, in other words, if you didn't use it, you'd be taxed upon it as income. Obamacare had this as well with a lower cap for a reason. The use of health savings accounts require high-deductible health plans and most in segment funding that the majority of people maintain. so most people will never attain even the uh, caps that, uh, on the Obamacare provision, although it does sound nice that Trump's going to raise them, but uh, most people can't afford them anyway. Trump also wanted to remove barriers for small business to purchase insurance across lines, state lines using business associations to increase their risk pools. Again, you know, everyone uh, is being led to believe that everybody can buy across state lines, and that's not true. What his provision was is strictly for small businesses to join uh, associations and increase their risk pools and purchase through that association across state lines. Uh, supposedly, believing this would require major, this would require major, complicated legal uh, language and. It would just be chaos. You know, hoping to increase competition, reduce pre- premiums. Current laws, regulations, and licensing are regulated by each state. Insurance commissioner and pri- premium pricing is based upon the state's and local medical costs for their particular area and health needs, keeping insurance sales coverage homebound in each state. Not because states or the federal government won't allow it, but because rates are based on local. Costs and pricing factors to include network providers who's been negotiated with uh, to what premiums per whatever uh, coding for that exact uh, treatment cost, and they would negotiate the caps on those prices with those providers. Indi- individuals under Trump Care, because of this, would see their premiums rise from such a small business association. Okay, let me move on here to the next. Sorry for downtime, but there's so much information here and switching from one page to the other. Uh, <clears> the <throat> this, this trump Ryan health care bill was a tax bill wrapped in a shroud under the guise of a health care plan. Had this bill been passed, the top 2% of the wealthy would have each received a minimum $200,000 tax present along with corporations in the healthcare industry, insurance CEOs, corporation executives, hospital corporations, big pharma and medical durable equipment companies and other medical vendors, vendors all would have shared in that $600 billion tax present. These costs would have shifted to taxpayers and the insured in higher premiums, less coverage, higher co and deductibles. Their healthcare bill would have eliminated legal requirement to sell the ten base, basic ten essential health coverage, insurers would no longer, by law, be required to offer or sell the ten essential uh, coverage basic health coverage after December 31st, 19, 20, 000, or 2019. The bill would have allowed church to drop or cancel coverage for future and current customers, and the gradual cut, gutting of Medicaid with an eventual timeline to throw people from the grow program and greatly reduce the program just a few years, leaving people to suffer and die. Now let's look at the promise of the three-pronged plan that would dangle the carrot of a promise to enact a law allowing insurers to sell coverage across state lines. So we know how that is based as it is right now. But this bill, uh, we promise to make this magic bullet a reality, bringing down costs, premiums, copays, and deductibles, and so we will make this happen after the bill is passed. Well, that sounds really great. You you go ahead and you buy it, and then rely upon us to do what we're going to do, and it's going to come out the way we said. Well, don't buy it. There's no such law that needs to be passed because there is no law that prohibits the sale of insurance across state lines. Again, there's no law prohib- prohibiting the sale of insurance across state lines. Premiums are based upon your zip code. Uh, Each state has their own insurance commission who regulate all aspects of insurance, uh, legal, financial, and product offerings. Insurers must file letters of intent to do business within the state, provide the needed filing requirements, business plan, negotiate with network providers in regard to coverage service price before they can obtain licensing, a very lengthy, lengthy and detailed process before they can open their doors. Once approved, licensed insurance agents also must be contracted with to establish commissions, claims processing, training, and forms for all durable goods physician providers and their staff. Tune in uh, April 2nd, and we're going to discuss even more on those issues. Okay, let me go to the next one here. Trumpcare-Medicare changes would again be, would again open the donut hole closed by the Bush donut hole closure bill. Again, Trump's answer to bring down costs would be allow Americans to purchase cheaper overseas drugs. Again, Trump's bill does nothing to bring down costs from American drug companies that license and market their drugs here in America by negotiating cheaper drug pricing for U.S. drugs manufactured here. Trumpcare would eliminate health care insurance for $24 million and some estimates as high as fifty four million over the next few decades after the initial twenty-four by twenty twenty six. Trump care would eliminate the mandate to require the purchase of the health care by all eligible Americans who would no longer help in making up the cost for their care when they have a medical emergency and must be treated by law in hospital emergency rooms and pass that cost on to American people that have insurance. A Trump plan would try to induce people to buy coverage By imposing a 30% penalty for gaps in insurance coverage. Think of a single mother who could lose her job through no fault of her own, would be required to pay the 30% penalty if she could not find another job and save enough to make her premium payment within 60 days and have her and her children's insurance canceled and penalized under the 60 day rule. This rule was requested by the insurance companies to ensure they wouldn't lose their premium payments by people who they believe would purchase coverage when they were sick and after receiving treatment would allow their coverage to drop until the next time they had a medical need. Trump didn't eliminate the second hated tax on individuals. He took care of corporations and everyone else we discussed earlier, but when it came to individuals, the hated tax, Cadillac tax, on premium coverage coverage would remain on individuals. Trump attacked this provision under Obamacare, yet kept it within his proposal. The Trump Care subsidies favor the rich, young, healthy, and increase costs on the poor, sick, disabled, and older Americans intentionally. Trump Care would have continued to provide the basic health care essentials until December 31st, 2019. After that date, there would no longer be a legal requirement to provide the coverage as the states took over the program Medicaid by, by black granting funding to each state. Under Obamacare, the federal government reimbursed the state's dollar for dollar at 100%. Under Trump Care, the federal government would only block grant funding at 50%, leaving the other 50% to be carried by the states. And if we remember, that was a big argument after the initial three years that they would be required to pay 10% of the state health care. Now you're going to tell them that they're going to cover 50%. So once you block grant that money to them at a reduced amount, then on top of that, they have to match fifty percent of whatever they provide. That's really going to dest- devastate the number of people in every state that's going to be covered.
1: Um,
6: this would reduce the number of people covered and reduce coverages and the 10 essential coverage would no longer be required. The state instead the state would decide who and what coverage would be offered to Medicaid recipients. Okay. Uh, under individual coverage, older Americans could face losing coverage due to Trump care smaller subsidy allowance, who would see their annual costs go from seventeen hundred dollars under Obamacare to twelve thousand dollars under Trump care, leaving their coverage unaffordable, forcing them to drop coverage because they could no longer afford the premiums. State block state block granted Medicaid would no longer be required to provide those basic Essential health services, services including emergency services, pregnancy, newborn care, prescription drug, and pediat- pa- pediatric services, by 2020. In 2020, individual and employer sponsored health care covering qualified employer health coverage plans will need only to cover inpatient, outpatient care, emergency care, and physician services on their employer plan- sponsored plans. <clears throat> Trump Care would allow. Employers to charge employees refusing to participate. Okay, this is where we discussed a couple of weeks back we did the report. I did a report on the uh, diagnostic coverage under the Preserving uh, Employer Wellness Program. This is where it's part of this uh, insurance proposal that Trump had. It will allow employers to charge employees refusing to participate in employer wellness programs 50% of the value of their plan. Employers who do not provide employer-sponsored plans but do have employee wellness programs can charge a 30% penalty for charges for premiums uh, the employee would have had if the employer had, in fact, sponsored coverage for the employee and dock the employee's wages for the cost of that 30% penalty for non participation in the wellness program. The GOP is outraged by the mandate requiring all eligible Americans purchase health care. Coverage yet has no problem in forcing employees to participate in arbitrary employer wellness programs, even if they do not provide coverage and fine them. Trump care authorized but do not appropriate funding for state high-risk pools by promising $25 billion over 10 years for state high-risk pool funding. This non-funded risk pool will not cover enough subsidies allowing high-risk people to purchase coverage that they could afford, leaving them with no coverage. When underwriting for a high-risk individual begins with co- high co-pays and deductibles at 200% of standard premiums, uh, for people with preconditions, uh, the individual employer-sponsored plans of covert coverage and vice versa. In other words, if they lose coverage and then pick it up again, they're going to be uh, subject to those provisions. Trump wants to change state insurance laws and regulations to allow, allow small business associations to collectively join and offer health care across state lines. This would create chaos, confusion, and abuse trying to get around the way insurance has always been based on costs for the state and its localities' costs and contracted services based upon the state or area's local health care network provider costs and lower costs and higher state costs. This is why every state has an insurance commissioner that regulates insurance laws Regulations and premiums because all things insurance derive uh, based upon their state's costs, needs, and resources, which determines premiums and coverages. And the final page of report on again, remind everyone uh, there is more, but for the purpose of brevity, I'm just covering these areas. But the full report will be on Working for a Living's website. Okay. Trumpcare proposed to provide digital health coverages for Category 1 veterans and Medal of Honor recipients. Trumpcare would also make it harder for patients to sue their doctors for malpractice. Trumpcare would ban coverage for abortion services as well as federal coverages except in cases of rape, incest, or if the mother's life is in jeopardy. Trumpcare would provide tax credits versus tax deductions, leaving most low-income Americans incapable of purchasing insurance co- coverage until they file our taxes. bill progressed in its mean-spirited and brutal changes to uh, one side to the other, back and forth, That these moderates, uh, causing an extreme right freedom caucus to push back and incorporate harsher takeaways that then cause moderate conservatives to rebel because of their frustration with the administration's attempts to appease the extreme right, we're never going to agree to anything other than repeal. Standing firm in their ideology of deconstructing, eliminating entitlements, benefiting individuals as opposed to their ideology to ban all taxation of business and demanding a non-government market-based insurance industry that benefits the job creators over social programs for the people. Now, we hear this all the time. You know, we want access. We don't want to get between the doctor and the patient. Well, what they're doing here is, again, they're based on ideology instead of what they can do for the people and uh, basically just want to gut anything that's going to actually help the average working person or family. I endeavored to provide the best possible report on the ever and quickly moving process from start to finish as briefly as possible without becoming overly involved in the explanation of details while attempting to provide an ongoing picture of this progression. In summary, we must ask, why do we continue to do the same thing, expecting a different outcome? There are no fully capital capital market-based health care plans in the world. Every government provides funding and far more. The American government provides roughly 44% of the funding for coverage for people here in America, as opposed to other countries at 80%. There are universal one-payer programs in every developed country, excepting the USA, and I've studied uh, the 13 that do. We must come to the realization that Americans, like other developed countries and their citizens, deserve universal one-payer health care. They'll bring down costs, expand coverage for all Americans and all of their health needs without forcing people to choose between eating and a roof over their families' heads, without worry being one sickness, injury or surgery away from bankruptcy. It's time to put an end to this and demand an approved Medicare for all that will bring down costs, expand coverage, produce better treatment, and health, health outcomes. We deserve no less than the best coverage in any country on earth can provide. Now is the time to make our demands and needs known and hound our leadership to stop doing the same thing and getting the same convoluted mismatch of legalese, denials of coverage, and less than world health-leading mortality at two to three times the cost of other countries of the world. So listen in next week, Sunday, April 2nd, for our report on what we need to do to make Medicare for all a universal insurer. We'll discuss how to achieve this by improving and expanding coverage, what other uh, countries successfully have done, and look at how we can take from those and build upon them and provide far greater coverage a system in which you can see any doctor of your choice any time, any day, everywhere without having to pick up network or hospital provider and being told the doctor, specialist, or hospital is not within your care network. Don't believe the lies and misinformation spread by people and groups, special interests, pronouncing we have the best and cheapest health care in the world. Don't believe those lies. The universal health care is horrible. People from all over the world are coming to America for medical care, medical care because their own country's one-payer systems are terrible. If you have never been or if you have ever been to a country in the world that has a one-payer system and asked their citizens if they would like to exchange health care systems with us, they would firmly let you know they would be rioting in the streets if someone took away their system and replaced it with ours. They would also look at you as if you were crazy where you'd ask, if anyone they know comes across in the USA for treatment because of our wonderful system in comparison to theirs. In our future series segments, we'll compare universal health care, national health care funding and programs of currently operating systems in other countries to be followed by a discussion of Medicare for All, current coverages, and future expansion of coverage and ways to fund a U.S.-based universal health care system for all with maximum coverage and lower cost, and how this could be done. And that concludes the end of this series segment. And I'd like to remind the listeners, this was just briefly gone over the full report with more uh, detailed explanations and numbers and uh, health care numbers will be posted on the Working for a Living website. And thank you.
1: Thanks, Dan. We appreciate your, a lot of hard work going into this. Uh, I got I got one. I actually have two questions for you, if you can be, uh, concise in your uh, answer of those, uh, uh, if you would. Uh, one, uh, I, it's just pretty glaring to me that the idea of a pre, uh, pre-existing condition uh, that the companies are going to be able to uh, not insure you if you have a pre-existing uh, condition is you know, that's not good for a lot of people. Correct? Well, not what they're.
6: It's not that they're going to. Uh, not allow them to insure you, it's going to allow them to increase additional penalties because of your conditions.
1: Gotcha. Okay. The other question I have for you is uh, uh, in your research thus far, I mean, one of your first reports to this radio show audience is uh, the uh, genetic uh, testing that they're uh, working into the system now. Has that found its way anywhere into any of the insurance measures that you have researched thus far?
3: Uh,
6: yes, sir. Yeah. You, you may have missed it when I discussed it. That's why I wanted to remind everyone. It'll be posted on our website. does uh, this Trump Care versus Obamacare, explain that that would be included under the Trump Care proposal, the the uh, employer wellness preservation bill concerning diagnostic or genetic testing. I just
1: wanted to be clear, you know, everybody understands that if you have a genetic uh, predisposition for, say, arthritis, they can, uh, you know, adjust the premiums uh, to that degree that they expect that because your great-grandparent had arthritis, you have a propensity to have it and charge you just based on your family's history, generations before you. So this is uh, something that we really oppose, and everybody needs to know that that's some of the stuff that's out there. Uh, I wanted to just cover that a little more uh, in depth. Uh, Jeff, uh, do you have anything? A
3: uh, little, bit, yeah, little bit yeah, just more
1: clarification on it.
6: Uh, the ahead. way that works is, say you have, uh, have had grandparents of different steps, they uh Third great grandparent on one side and the seventh great grandparent on another side. Well, perhaps you're more likely to have the possibility of achieve, achieving what they call a double dominant gene. That's where it may have skipped over a generation, but because you had different ancestors uh, in that, and based upon the, the random selection of the genes, every child will have a different genetic outcome. They'll be somewhat similar. The mother determines the random selectivity of those genes, and in those genes they may incur a double dominant, may pop up three, four generations later on both sides and happen to put you in a situation where they can look at you and say, whoa, no, we can't do this because you have a high propensity to incur these huge coverages under health care or whatever and deny
1: employment or coverage or whatever. Right. Having discovered the genome is turning out to be a real disadvantage for the working class, and that's something that we've got to keep a real sharp eye out for. And, again, we're not hearing this stuff out of our leadership at Solidarity House, but you're hearing it here from us, the ones that want to ascend to it. So you start making your choices, brothers and sisters, based on some of the stuff you're hearing here. Uh, let me ask Jeff if he has any questions for you, Dan. Jeff.
0: Um, yeah, I already talked about my chronic condition, but my youngest son will be 21 later this month. He was born with a heart defect. He's got a bad valve. Needs to be replaced. Um, we found it before he was even born during the first. Um, chronogram. Uh, and I'm worried about him because he's, he's 21 a few more years he'll be off my medical insurance my question is what's going to happen to him due to his heart effect um,
6: well under the Trump care proposal uh in trying to induce people and force them into um, participating in in these uh, genetics testing uh, scenarios under the wellness programs, they basically intend to coerce you and your family into joining the wellness programs or you incur a penalty. Basically what they're going to say is, okay, now if you currently say, if you have sponsors coverage through your employer and they pay majority or all the costs. well the employer may force that penalty upon you for the cost of what it costs for your insurance at thirty percent or they can offer you a fifty percent reduction in the cost you pay now once that happens people are going to be forced into giving private evasive questions errors and on these questionnaires uh, you and your family well fill out all these things and it'll give a detailed explanation of what you do this bill also provides them with the ability to allow other people to see your medical information and look at that in making determinations on wellness programs but they could also identify and prohibit in the future for your children maybe they won't go to work for that employer they may go try to go to work with another employer we often find, just like in Michigan, remember the promise, seatbelts. <clears throat> we won't ticket them. You know, we just want to run a program to uh, get people to buckle up. But it morphed into being a requirement, and they can ticket and charge you a fine for that. Well, just like everything in this world, you could uh, easily see how this is going to morph and later change. And just like Marco Rubio's bill. He stuck that thing into an ominous spending package where nobody paid any attention, and it impacted the Obamacare plan to the point where over half the insurers pulled out and the government would no longer, in violation of the agreed-upon contract with the insurers, would only reimburse them for 13 cents on the dollar. So, yes, it would have a a great impact. That's why we need to have a a universal health care coverage that covers everybody. It excludes no one. They don't charge you any any extra because everyone is within those pools. So the risk is spread throughout everyone. Some companies, you don't, or countries, you don't uh, even have to get coverage until you're 18. You're automatically covered. Right,
1: right. Well, we're we're working toward that end of getting that for everybody, so that the risk is shared nationwide. Just like you're saying, Dan. Let me ask David if he's got anything for you, David. No, nope, I don't have any questions on um,
2: that. Was a very nice report, Dan. Good job.
1: A lot of work went into that. We know that. So thank you, Dan. Um, we really appreciate that report a lot. It's a lot. There's a lot in it. We we know it's detailed. You're just going to have to bear with this segment, folks, because it is very very important to all of our futures, each and every one of us. We're going to try and get you informed as best as we can on this issue so you can then make an informed decision to go to your congressperson and tell them, we deserve better. It's available and it's fundable, and we deserve it. Our nation should not be the only nation of the Tier 1 nations that doesn't have national health care. For all that shared burden across the entire nation. The money's there. You saw how the money's there in just looking at this forwarding CEO's pension plan. My God, eight hundred and fifty eight million dollars in a single person's pension plan. And the whole corporation's got sixty million in it or billion in it. Sixty billion. Sixty. He's got one sixtieth for one person of the entire pension plan for likely 200,000 people. This person does. That money is out there. It's available. It shouldn't be in a single person's hand. It should not be. It ought to be being used, and there's ways of doing it that are virtually painless for them to pay Social Security on 100% of their money Like all of you and I and our team have to pay on our money 100% of what we earn gets paid out in Social Security, in the percentages. They can do the same thing. They're no different than us. The 1%ers got to join the 99%ers a little bit and then... We won't just have 5% of the money trying to shoulder all these expenses. We'll have all of the money trying to shoulder these expenses. So much for that. That will come in another segment here, but you'll you'll get that in a little bit. But we're trying to give you the reasons for this. It's very, very important that everybody understand this. It just is. You know, uh, And we're going to bring out the high points. You know, Dan's doing a real good job, but we'll bring out the high points for you too. So, having said that, Dan, let me put you back in listen mode for now, if you don't mind. And thank you again for coming on and doing that. You did a nice job. We really appreciate it, brother. Well, thank okay. you for helping me. Sorry.
6: Sorry, Dan. Go ahead.
1: Go ahead. Oh. Go ahead again. You were going to say?
6: Oh, I said, well, thank you. And uh, hopefully it will help others so they'll have the have the ammunition to uh, one, evaluate, and two, to argue against the lies that are being spread at this point, and we see it every day on the news, and at least now we have an understanding that all the stuff they're telling us is totally untrue.
1: Right. Correct. Thanks again, Dan. Uh, we, Dave's got something else he's got to bring up here, so let's get into that. Okay, David, you had uh, something you wanted to follow up on?
2: Yeah, Um just some math um, in regards to my report. Um, as we stated, um, Mark Field's um, income um, was $22.1 million, um for 16. That's an 18.8% increase over 50. And when you break that down, his hourly wage is $10,625 an hour. That's 345 times greater than a Tier One spay and 590 times greater than a Tier Two spay. Um, that's all I wanted to add, Lloyd.
1: Okay, David, thank you. Uh, we're we're bumping our show time here, uh, so I, you know, I got a couple of things I I need to cover, but I'm going to try and do them quick. I guess so. I'll get into these and uh, uh, cover them for you. The uh, uh, SJR 37 that we talked about last week um, was signed by President Trump. I watched the signing of it, and it was brought out that all of the corporations that have come to him to ask uh, for Uh, anything. They asked for this. Uh, Let me remind you, this is a a change in the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. That's OSHA for all of us that sort of know that uh, acronym. Uh, The change was that they no longer have to keep historic records after six months. And the reason that the corporations... And quite obviously, he didn't ask anybody else, the, uh, uh, you know, workers or the lawyers that they were complaining about, about this particular issue. They, corporations just went to him and said, this rule makes us a target for lawyers. Well, yeah, it makes them a target for lawyers. Uh, only if they're doing bad things does it make them a target for lawyers. If they have a horrible safety record, they become a target for lawyers. Trump seemed to miss that part. If they have a horrible safety record, that's why they changed the law, so that they can hide their horrible safety record. That's what the purpose of this was, from litigating lawyers. That's a horrible thing to change a law for, because now OSHA doesn't have a historical... Record, so that they can go in and try and make corrections to horrible companies with horrible safety records. That is just one of the most asinine things I've ever heard in my political career uh, doing anything for the country. When you aspire to hide somebody's horrible safety record, Or the protection from lawyers that was the purpose of signing this damn bill I'm going to tell you brothers and sisters we try not to be too political but those of you that voted for this guy got to reassess your values you really do 28% of our membership voted for this man. And he's protecting bad companies with their bad safety records, hiding their bad safety records from litigators. And now OSHA can't do its job to try and correct those problems. You elected him. You. You did it. look at yourself this is one of the bricks of labor and working men and women that are coming down in the building every time I see one I'm posting it on our our page my page and posting it under working for living page another brick being dismantled from working building nobody's what nobody noticing because it's one brick at a time. But you can hang your head on this one. I'm disgusted at the man that's in office for what he just signed into law. I can't tell you that vehement anger that's inside of me for this man at this time having done that. People are gonna get hurt and die. Because this no-good, rotten person signed this law, and you voted for him. That's about all I need to say tonight. I have more of a report, but we're running close to the end of the show. I don't get that angry very often, but I'm going to tell you something. There's a whole lot of you out there that got to look yourself in the mirror. And the next time one of your sisters dies because of some safety violation that went unchecked, I hope you lose a night's sleep over it because you put a despicable man in as president of the United States. I said that out loud. Working men and women need to stick together. Union brothers and sisters need to stick together. There's a lot of mistakes being made by our leadership and by our politicians. But if we stick together and we ask for right to prevail, it will. Demand. That right prevail, and it will. We can't be after the fact, trying to correct these things. We have to be proactive and getting them done. And we need to do a better job educating the members as to what corporate America means to working men and women. And you just elected a billionaire to president, and you're seeing the results. We did the same thing in Michigan with Governor Snyder, another despicable human being, and we're seeing the results. Money buys office these days uh, that's my that's all I'm gonna say on my report i want i want to say that there's a couple other people that were on the show that couldn't make it tonight uh, that had been on the show in the past year uh um Ellen, the teacher, they're on their spring break, and she's out of the country. And Jeff, the attorney, uh, couldn't make it tonight. Uh, and they both sent their well wishes and congratulations on our one-year anniversary of this show. Um, uh, I w- you know, thank you to them for doing that. We really appreciate that your thoughts are with us. Uh, I want to also say on Jeff's report, You know, anytime somebody loses a child, it's very, very just, you know, it just changes your life. And for all of those in the United States, working men and women, who've lost a child, our condolences go out to you. We don't know each and every one of you. Jeff reported on uh, one close to him and a couple others. So we want to say our condolences to all of those. Um I'm just reminded that we have some caterpillar members here uh, we have we well, got thirteen minutes uh and that report's kind of long um let's see uh let me get into this uh, my report on caterpillar uh and we uh, it's really kind of long, but we'll try and get into it for you first of all uh The election, uh, we feel that the integrity of the actual election and the president, their president there at 974, said that the integrity of the election is more important than the outcome. And we truly believe, from all indications, that the integrity of the election itself was first class and uh, done above board, as best we can understand. Uh, and thank you to the membership and leadership that assured that for every member that voted. Uh, having said that, there were some things—at least one thing—done that uh, should have not occurred. Uh, the uh, contract is uh, to be provided to any member that asks, and this is federal law, U.S. T- Title 29, U.S. Code. 414, and uh, that's the paragraph. Uh, let me just say to this is the union is labor or, local labor organization is required to forward a copy of each collective bargaining agreement made by such labor organization with any employer to any empo- employee who requests such a copy. Okay, that doesn't say that it needs to be in its final form. So tentative agreement falls under this language. My point is you should have been given the tentative agreement. In our UAW constitutional constitution, Article nineteen, section three, says after negotiations have been concluded with the employer, the proposed contract or supplement shall be submitted to the vote of the local union membership. Doesn't say highlights. It says proposed contract or supplement. It means a supplement to a contract. We have like five in the, in the General Motors uh, complement of, of the uh, agreement, I'd like five supplements. Uh, and then our, uh, the proposed master agreement. It doesn't say highlights. It says the proposed contract shall be submitted to the vote of the local union membership. That means you should have access to the tentative agreement. And for not having access to them, they violated federal law and the UAW constitution. Now, that's for anybody that wants to act on it. We'll just say that that's up to you. There was a violation, as far as we're concerned, and that's in our opinion. So uh, they they voted, and, uh, and it, it passed. Uh, there's another issue with a uh, woman that wrote on the Caterpillar uh, UAW.org page. Her name is Bonnie Loria. I didn't find this out until five minutes before last week's show. I want to cover this real briefly. She talked about uh, permissive bargaining and the uh, idea that permissive bargaining uh, is agreeable by both union and management in the, in the name of uh, uh, bargaining on behalf of retirees. They can only do it under permissive bargaining circumstances. So if there's any negative things in your agreement, that means your union agreed to it. Union had to do it permissively, not under duress. They agreed to it. Okay, in the Detroit 3, we found that there was not anything in the highlights, but they slid in the Pension Protection Act of 2006, almost verbatim, into the supplemental, the retirement pension supplement. That means that if your pension, and we're talking about what happened in Detroit 3, we don't know because we haven't seen the agreement yet with Caterpillar that means that your pension below 80% would get cut by 50%. So uh, that's something you want to look for, and you should have been aware of that. And if you weren't, it's a grave injustice to the membership, and it is a testament to the leadership that's currently in office. We only have a couple minutes, so I'm telling you we got to get this wrapped up. Uh, uh, the other thing that I want to – Uh, addresses the Aurora Aurora plant is closing 800 jobs are lost that could have been protected by the international they failed to do that and they allowed that 800 jobs to go somewhere else not good on leadership's uh, efforts Bonnie Loria also talked about uh, the stress on the company because there's so many retirees now that they're eight or nine to one active worker. I'm going to say this about that. I want everybody to listen real good. While the corporations treat us like slaves, they have yet to sell one member to anybody. They've not sold one of their slaves that they treat us like slaves. haven't sold one. What they do sell, what they do sell is cars, trucks, and heavy equipment. And the last I checked in the last decade, their car sales is up 50%. Your leadership in the UAW doesn't know their pay point, they're putting the pay point on the backs of the hard working people in the plant. And the pay point is when they sell a vehicle, car, truck, or heavy equipment. So the ratio between retirees and active workers has absolutely not one damn thing to do with how much money is available for pensions. The number of vehicles sold does, and it's up. And until we get leadership that's smart enough to know where to look to find the money, in a budget, and we're to know to negotiate rather than on the backs of a ratio between actives and retirees, but rather on how many vehicles are sold, this is never going to change. We're not going to ever start getting essential justice for the membership in their paycheck or remuneration and, and benefits. Now, I'll just call, call that my report for tonight. We. Caterpillar workers, you need to take a look at that agreement real strong. And the language is on workingforaliving.com, and that is in the blog section on the left sidebar. Go down, and it's one of the last blogs, and it deals with Caterpillar members. So uh, we'll also be putting a whole segment in there on Dan's reports. Uh, It's going to be called Medicare for All and uh, you'll see that there and be able to access everything that Dan's talked about and more in detail. So having said that, uh, Jeff, do you have anything to add to the rest of the show?
0: No, no have okay. Everybody have a good week.
1: Yeah, thank you. This is our longest show. J- David, do you have anything?
2: Nope. Um, everybody okay, have
1: yeah, a I'm... great week. Stay safe. Yeah, stay safe, everybody. If you, have, you found any value in this, there's a lot of stuff going on, uh, let somebody know, tell your friend, just one friend, it'd be good. Uh, our email address is working for a living at working for a living. Uh, We thank you for listening. We know the show is long tonight. Um, expect the next couple of shows to be long because what Dan's reporting on is very important to us, and we, he deserves to be heard. He spent a lot of time researching this for the benefit of the membership, and we need to remember that as we listen intently. Uh, you know we're not going to catch everything, and we'll try and catch those highlights as as uh, uh, and re- recap some of the stuff that he talks about here. So, having said that, everybody stay safe. Good night, David and Jeff, and good night, listeners. Good
3: night. Good night.